Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Remember the old diet advice, like, when the urge to eat strikes, just take a walk, or have a glass of water. Usually you're just thirsty, not hungry. If you're anything like me, these suggestions make you want to punch the magazine or the person who said it in the face. So many suggestions to just stop emotional eating are based in diet culture. They're based in the notion that you know what to do, just do it. And I'm here to tell you that Changing behavior is hard. We as humans are wired for comfort and disrupting a pattern of emotional eating is challenging. And at the same time, you absolutely can do it and you can learn to prefer it. However, to get started with disrupting this pattern, we need to feel understood. We need to then take small consistent actions in the direction of our goals. So we're going to leave these super patronizing suggestions at home and get some actual suggestions for simple, fun things to do when the urge to eat strikes when you know you are not hungry. So for some actual suggestions for this, I have a new free actionable guide. This is a one-page PDF you can pull up at any time with 23 things to do instead of eating, complete with links to videos, fun, inspiring songs, and many different ideas to disrupt the pattern and take a small step towards empowerment and towards that confident person that you deserve to be. So grab the guide absolutely free at drhondorp.com forward slash guide. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P forward slash guide to start ditching the shoulds and regaining confidence in yourself today. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Today we're going to be diving into the surprising hidden reason for your binge eating. And really when I say binge eating, this term doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means, having full binge episodes where we eat a lot of food at one time. It's really talking about any eating where you feel out of control, feel like it's hard to make the choices you want to make, and or you feel guilt afterwards. So that's really what we're talking about here. And we're going to talk about 
well, and, and many of you know, I took a break over the summer and I really was, I always am kind of reflecting on the work that I do with people, the work I do with myself, um, the ways that I get support and, and really just looking at like what really works for behavior change. And I came up, I keep using this iceberg analogy for eating or any health related behavior. And I've, uh, shared it with a lot of people and it's really how I think about behavior change and why so many of us stay stuck because we are focused on the tip of the iceberg, the above the water, uh, above the surface of the water behavior. And we're so frustrated with ourselves. We're like, why do I keep doing these things that I don't want to be doing? And really there's that whole iceberg underneath that is often, you know, some conscious, many unconscious thoughts that are really just hiding and we don't bring them out into the light of day and then they just keep us stuck. So we're going to talk about that iceberg analogy and how it works for eating behavior and also why it works really for almost any behavior or thing we want to change. We're going to talk about the main things, the themes that keep us stuck in the binge or emotional eating cycle. We're going to talk about common mistakes that have kept me stuck for years longer than I wanted to and and things that I often see keeping clients of mine stuck. And then of course, some really tangible steps, baby steps that you can take to move towards getting yourself unstuck and getting yourself towards that free freedom, sustainable relationship with food that you so deserve. So settle in, get comfortable. So glad you're here and let's dive in. So most people, when they come to work with me one-on-one, they, or just they hear what I do, like if I'm talking to them in a personal setting, they usually have some idea of why they struggle with binge eating, emotional eating, why they struggle with their weight. Um, and, and they may not know for sure, right? Cause that's where they're coming for help, but they often have some guesses and the guesses are usually along the lines of, I just need to have more willpower. I need to learn self-discipline, self-control. Really, the underlying belief there is I'm weak or something about me is not strong enough. Some also believe they are addicted to sweets or carbs. Maybe they believe they've really learned some unhealthy patterns with that, with those behaviors. And, um, which really indicates like something is wrong with me, my brain, and therefore my body. And what we're going to talk about today is really what are some of the things that through my work with people we discover is the actual cause. And it's very often a hidden cause. It's very often, um, if you've ever done any therapy, you might know, like you sometimes come in to a session, you're like, I don't know what we're going to talk about today. And then we dig to some really important stuff. And so, um, and if everyone, I, I often talk about Brene Brown. Um, if you've ever seen her Ted talk on the power of vulnerability, her most famous Ted talk that I believe kind of put her on the map, um, as a very mainstream, uh, person talking about emotional well-being. Uh, I would highly recommend you that you watch that if you have not. It's had 18 million views at the time of this recording. But she says something in that talk that always makes me laugh. She says, 
no childhood S H I T. I just need some strategies. And I think a lot of us can relate to this, right? Like I know I can as a psychologist and someone who loves science. I so badly wanted to be able to fix my emotional pain, my eating issues with books and learning and all the strategies. But as I've talked about in the past, all the top-notch innovative strategies in the entire world did not help me and won't help you if you don't address the root cause. And this can lead to a ton of frustration, wasted time and energy, and that is what I want to help you avoid. And or avoiding wasting more time. You may have felt like you already wasted a lot of time. So, you know, again, Brene's comment about childhood stuff like as it turns out, much of our pain does come from early childhood experiences and, you know, or, and or other painful interactions later in our life. So while strategies today, deep breathing, mindfulness, different coping strategies, listening to meditations, uh, they might provide some relief, right? And, and they can absolutely get us through a crisis, but it's really unlikely to solve the root of the issue. Some Band-Aid type fixes as it relates to our eating habits often look like getting onto a new eating plan, that hope that comes with a new plan, uh, a new strategy for meal prepping, or reading a new book that's teaching about the detrimental effects of gluten and processed foods, and you kind of read it and you're like, this is it. This is the thing that's going to help me to feel good in my body, and, and there's so much hope there. And... um. It, it really is this, I'm not saying there's not something to be learned from, you know, learning about nutrition and things like that, but so often it is just a way to keep us distracted from the actual root cause, the actual thing that is causing our distress that we need to get to or feel. So when we make habit changes, they actually stick. So, I mean, other Band-Aid fixes as it relates to eating might be like joining a new gym or a workout place. Not that that's not, sometimes that can help heal some of whatever's going on, help us work through our emotions or stress. But, um, yeah, it's, and, and then of course eating to cover up emotions or discomfort, right? This is a way that we can distract ourselves from that pain. And so, the the thing that's so confusing to so many of us and was confusing to me is that we just only see the behavior. So we get really focused on what we can see, like what we eat and how we move our bodies. That's the tip of the iceberg. And again, I've, I've had a lot of people tell me lately, like I'm trying a new approach for my eating and I'm feeling hopeful about it. Like a pretty common one lately is intermittent fasting or eating less gluten or less carbohydrate heavy foods or you know, there's just all these different ways that it, the diet world will take and repackage pretty similar things. Um, and, and it's not that again, those changes are necessarily always bad, but there's always subtle things that I hear that suggest to me that this new plan's unlikely to work, not because the plan is bad, but, um, I know, I know people in both like that do a lower gluten diet and they feel good and it's not diet mentality. I know people, one person in particular who 
has does like a little bit of intermittent fasting, but it's flexible. There's not diet mentality. Great. Um, but those people are not usually the norm because usually I, I tune in and I, I hear things like, you know, I really should be eating better and I'll work on it soon. Um, that's diet mentality or blaming themselves and feeling shame and saying things like, I can't lose weight because I, look, I keep eating and drinking this food, which is some food they perceive as unhealthy. Or I just need to get back to a consistent schedule and then I'll be able to kind of maintain my health habits which suggests that whatever eating plan they think is going to help them typically help them lose weight. It won't be something that'll really work long-term and it'll probably lead to, again, those just ups and downs. Or really anytime we're focused on, I mean, it's again, normal to want to lose weight, normal to be excited about weight loss and normal to want to celebrate that with people. But it ends up being this external motivation. It's focused on the weight versus how you're feeling. And it just tends to be associated with these fits and starts, this chronic diet cycle that really just causes more stress in the body and typically makes um, more problems with your body's trusting your body, listening to its signals long-term. So Again, we have this iceberg in the blog post for this episode. You can see the picture of the iceberg and I have next to it, the tip of the iceberg is our behaviors. It's our eating behavior, our exercise behavior, maybe even sleep behavior. Maybe we see on the surface some body shame. Maybe that desire for weight loss is very obvious. That's more. And then like the new lifestyle plan that we come up with. Those are all on the surface. Things are a little bit easier to see. We don't always see the shame, but often people are pretty aware that they have a good deal of body shame. And then I think if there's two kind of main areas below the iceberg that it's really important to unpack and understand. So the first one is, you know, the the diet mentality, all or nothing thinking, smaller bodies are better, kind of weight-related ideas that keep us stuck. The restrictive diet mentality mindset would fall into this. It's all the eating and weight specific ways we think that are unhelpful to us. So foods are good or bad. Um, You got to do healthy portion control, which again, ends up being this hidden restriction. Um, Any form of restriction would fall into this. So like someone might go through, and this is what happened to me, go through the process of intuitive reading, intuitive eating and learning intuitive eating. Um, and that, you know, takes a variety of different amounts of time for all of us. Um, and that's great. But what I'm going to talk about in a moment is it's also, we want to make sure we are also addressing what other pain is there. And that might be what I think of as an even deeper level. And it might be really intimately linked, right? You for many of us, some of us, I would say, have more shame and pain tied up in the body image related stuff because maybe you were teased a lot for your weight. And so the pain of social rejection or fear of social rejection that a lot of us can have is so tied up with your body size. And so sometimes it's not like this is one layer and this is another layer and they're separate. Um, But we really do need to make sure at some point we're getting to both for that truly long-term change. And um, I think looking back, I think I've done some of the deeper work 
as I was going through intuitive eating, but I actually think I'm doing a lot of that deeper work now. And I'll um, explain that in a bit here, but again, it's, it's all so common. And again, the, the hidden, you know, the hidden thing that's keeping your binge eating or emotional eating going is probably restrictive mindset or restrictive behavior, meaning you're eating too little or not giving yourself permission to eat the food that actually sounds good, or you're limiting certain food groups like carbohydrates that prompt you to binge on them later. Restrictive mindset can be more subtle because you really may think it's just you trying to do healthy portion control, trying to have a healthy lifestyle. That was the case for me for a very, very long time. That is probably one of the main things holding you back. However, there's probably also some other stuff there. So what else could it be about? Well, other times, you know, people come to work with me, they usually don't come in saying, hey, Sean, I've had some really painful experiences growing up. My parents did the best they could with the tools they had, but I think maybe some of the painful experiences from childhood is why I focus so much hatred on my body. My body feels like something I can control versus my emotions, which can feel scary and like uncharted territory. They don't say that. Instead, they might say something like, I am ashamed of myself. I think something might be wrong with me. Why can't I get it together? Why am I keep doing this behavior? Why am I binge eating? Why am I emotional eating? I don't get it. And again, we want to look at the, the diet mentality piece may very well be there. It's hard to not have that be part of your experience. But it, what if there's also something deeper in, in a really empowering way? It can feel really scary, but it's really, I mean, there's so many factors that influence us as human beings. The, the world is, there's a lot going on in the world. And, you know, in terms of what our upbringing has to do with our binge eating, you know, I've done, I would call myself early to mid-career psychologist. I've been doing this work for a while. And, you know, it almost, if, if people are ready, there's often work to be done about early experiences and how your emotions were responded to and what thinking patterns you developed about emotions and your own sense of worth and lovability and your own ability to rely on other people to be a safe space, to express your emotions and also get some direction. And how do I cope with this? How do I calm my nervous system down when I'm feeling this? And the the good and bad thing is it isn't about the parenting strategies. It's not about learning the right things to say always, although that can be really helpful. It's often about the parents doing their own work and their own work on their own self-worth. And so this idea that like, do as I say, not as I do, it doesn't work. And uh, I'm in a a really good parent coaching program right now where I'm learning as a, as a learner. And um, she often says kids are truth barometers. They're like, um, I see you. I see what's going on here. I see your, your fear or your anxiety. I'm going to reflect that back in to you if you will listen. And, and for often that can look like anxiety in the kid, or it can look like, um, 
behavioral outbursts in the kid, hitting, things like that. But, you know, very few of us, and this is no, to no fault of anyone's parents, any of our parents, they were rarely taught how to unconditionally love themselves. And therefore we can't really teach what, I mean, we can't, we can't teach what we don't understand. And so again, there's always something deeper, not because you're flawed or weak or you, it's just because you're human raised by imperfect humans and the human experience is messy, often painful and really hard sometimes. And of course the flip side is it can be incredibly beautiful, but we cannot bypass the underneath stuff. We cannot not validate what's actually there because it's keeping us stuck. So you know, the theme of this idea of unconditional worth is something that I've been really interested in for a long time. Um, I did a really great interview with Dr. Adia Gooden last summer about unconditional self-worth. And that interview actually sparked something in me to realize, like, I got some work to do on this. Um, So again, if you've been following the podcast, you know, I took a break over the summer. It was really needed. And I had a little bit more time and space to reflect on what I'm doing and why and how to best do it. But I also had time to reflect on just why I pushed myself so hard. And, um, you know, part of it was just, I love a good challenge. I was a new business owner and I just wanted to, I just wanted to crush it. Like I I was, it was from a good place, but you know, I was, I was, I realized looking back, even though I really don't have shame about my disordered eating slash eating disorder history anymore. Um, I was still avoiding some other pain and that avoidance was showing up as overworking, doing things that didn't feel right to me marketing wise, but just kind of ignoring it, saying yes to all the opportunities, not valuing my time enough and um, really operating from a place of not enoughness and, and eventually um, just realizing how unsustainable it was. So, um, again, this, this program I'm in (laughs) encourages you to do a lot of self-reflection and, and they were talking about how, you know, actually she, her name's Randy Rubenstein, Mastermind Parenting. I'll kind of mention it as one of the resources that if you're looking for support with parenting, it's wonderful. Um, but, but yeah, being able to step back and look and do some deeper work about why. So for me, the tip of the iceberg last year was, um, overworking. That was the behavior. And, and really I was trying all these different strategies and things to do in my business and see what would work. And, you know, some of it felt good and some of it didn't, but it never really worked. Like it's still trying to figure out, I'm still trying to figure out like a what exactly I'm doing with this arm of the business. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but it's, um, I really, part of it was avoiding, avoiding some of my own feelings of not quite feeling worthy. And and how is my worth getting tied up with this, this, this work performance and, and overworking. And so I think being able to view that challenge as an opportunity for growth and an opportunity to say, you know, what a great opportunity to look at this. This isn't, I still have more work to do here. And, um, so, so that's what I've been doing. And I, I think 
again, that work, you think about, it's still not really at all about the food. And in fact, dieting and diet mentality and all of that often just becomes a way to distract us from the actual human pain and hurt and just the reality of being an alive human in our world. Uh, pain's part of it. And, and the, it's not, again, that's where if you're finding yourself stuck, something's going on. It could be diet mentality and it could be unlearning that. It could also be that there's something else that the diet struggle, the diet cycle is helping you to avoid and getting curious about that and saying, huh, I wonder what I'm avoiding, or I wonder what the learning is. What's the lesson? What is my body trying to tell me? And what am I not listening to? So, you know, if I were to do it again, I would probably dive into some of the stuff earlier, some of the resources about understanding what unconditional self-worth and what it would feel like to feel like I am enough, regardless of what I do, regardless of what I my body looks like and doing that work. I did some of that work alongside the intuitive eating, but I don't believe you have to do one or the other. I don't think it has to be sequential. I think some people actually do some of the deeper unconditional self-worth and then they come to me and we do some of the diet mentality work and that it all kind of fuses together. I think some people do the diet mentality work first, and then we delve deeper. That's often um, what happens in sessions that I do. We'll start with some of the diet mentality stuff, and soon we're not talking a whole lot about food. Um, so, you know, what might be underneath there? I mean, there's a lot of things that it could be, but for many of us, it might be something like realizing we want a career change or want to change how we're spending our time perhaps recognizing we want to focus on and invest in our growth and other areas. And this could be becoming a better parent, developing a hobby, another skill, having more downtime and learning how to relax. Um, it might be, it might be the fact that the pace of life for many of us that we've fallen into is just not that sustainable for us and just creating more space and downtime and figuring out ways to do that. It may be grieving past losses or hurts or traumas that we've never fully healed. Um, and this could be losses of loved ones or losses of time or opportunity. And it might be changing patterns of codependency or problematic relationship patterns. It might be ending relationships that aren't serving you, focusing on other ones. So there's a lot of good there. And I think... If this is ringing true for you, not letting it overwhelm you, knowing you don't have to do it all at once, but let's talk about some tangible things you can do. So start digging to that root of your tree because it's important and it's going to serve you well. So step or suggestion number one would be to get the thoughts out of your head. So journaling on paper or in a notes app in your phone don't just think it through, write it down. Start with naming the emotions coming up, using the emotion word like grief, fear, disappointment, anger. 
And then what are the thoughts or beliefs coming up for you? And um, the, the parenting coach that I really like, she talks about what's the sentence running through your head. So I like that question too. Is it, I'm not good at this or I can't handle this or what's wrong with me? This is a dumb exercise. It won't help. Just getting super honest with yourself. What am I telling myself right now? What's going through my mind? And knowing that is separate from the emotional experience in your body. Your thoughts and emotions are not the same. And practicing noticing them and separating them is a crucial skill. Step number two, remind yourself that your pain and experiences are valid. Likely you'll have lots of thoughts like, this isn't going to help by doing this, or I'm just complaining, or I'm being self-indulgent. Other people have it so much worse. I'm having a pity party. You know, the reality is that having the courage to explore the stuff underneath your water surface is incredibly brave and truly the most selfless thing you can do for the people in your life. The more you validate your own pain and take care of yourself emotionally and also getting support with that, the more emotionally available you become for others in a boundaried and not self-sacrificing way, like truly showing up for that person requires us taking care of ourselves. Um, So the other step or other way to do this is to share with a trusted loved one. So choose someone who has some basic skills and being able to listen and not fix someone who won't get super uncomfortable and immediately try to fix. And you can remind them beforehand, don't try to fix this. Just listen. That's it. That's all I need. Remind them and yourself that you're taking just a, oh, isn't this interesting approach of curiosity our brains do fascinating things when they're fearful or feeling threatened just noticing oh wow we all have really unhelpful thoughts that when we pull them out into the light of day we're like yikes what's that that's a good thing when you notice that we all have it so just feeling seen and like you matter in the world is incredibly valuable in itself Another reminder is to breathe and go at your own pace. So you don't have to force yourself and push yourself, but just start asking these questions. What's coming up for me or what might be there? Just getting curious and practice letting things unfold as they will. We can't anticipate or control some of our aha moments or revelations. Always we can look for the right supports that help us dig and get curious and look for the right people that help to reflect that back to us. But You can't fully control how this is going to unfold and how progress will look. It's not linear, but keep moving forward. Don't avoid. But remember, you don't have to do it all at once. Just take that next little baby step and acknowledge and be proud of that. This stuff is super uncomfortable, vulnerable, but you absolutely are capable of doing it and you are worth doing that for yourself. And also making sure you're seeking out resources on fostering unconditional self-worth and others. So of course, I will continue to talk about these topics moving forward because I think it's at the core of so much. Um, I also love Dr. Adia Gooden's podcast, Unconditionally Worthy. And I really like Mastermind Parenting with Randy Rubenstein. If you are um, wanting to apply it to parenting, it's fascinating. It's more than just parenting. Um, And finally, before we finish up today, I will be hosting some workshops coming up. um, And the only way to find out about them because is to be on my email list. So make sure you go to the website, drshawnhondorp.com 
and sign up for any of my free resources, you'll get on my email list or just sign up and click um, join the community and you'll get into, you know, the free community where I email just about um, podcast episodes. And I also email about workshop opportunities. And that's also a great way to find out occasionally if I have any one-on-one slots open, I might email there. So get into the insider community. Um, and I'd love your feedback. Let me know if this episode resonated and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for listening today and for showing up for yourself. If you are ready to ditch the diet mentality, build sustainable, healthy habits, take great care of your body and build a life you truly love, then I have some great news for you. The doors for the Body Respect Program are now open for enrollment. This innovative program is unlike anything else out there. It will help you unlearn diet mentality BS, learn to truly work with your body instead of against it, and help you show up as the person you were meant to be. If you're ready to dive deeper and get the support you truly deserve, go to drhondorp.com forward slash course or click on the link in the show notes to sign up and get more information about the program, current bonus offerings, and to join the community today. That's drhondorp.com forward slash course. It's time to stop dieting and start living. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.